<laughs> Amen. <clears throat> well, I feel like my voice has gotten stronger through the weekend. Praise God. I came in here limping last night. He's, I don't know how it works. I preach, and it gives me my voice back. So praise God. Love seeing you guys. If you haven't been able to make it to the other sessions, I think, what do you guys got, Facebook or something? How do All right, we got podcast, Kingdom Awakening. Y'all just track with them, YouTube. Yeah, so you guys follow. We had a sweet time last night, a good time this morning. And uh, I just encourage you to track with uh, the messages. I knew that the Lord, the Lord spoke to me that we're going deeper this weekend. And I know it's for the region. So I'd encourage you to grab those messages and to meditate on them. I uh, want to encourage you guys. I don't know if I have any books left. I brought my most recent book. Well, actually, my most recent is Gift of Tears that came out this week. And so you can go on Amazon and you can get Gift of Tears. And so I'll speak a little bit into that. I did this morning. One of the, the, pre, uh, the, the, the revelation that the Lord built this thing around was the John 11 story of Mary weeping that provoked Jesus' tears, which released resurrection. And um, so you can get that on Amazon or however you want to with that. And then I, but I brought Teach Us to Pray, which is a book I released in November. And so that will bless you and uh, teach you how to pray. Um, and I've, I've got these Nasherite shirts, and so I'll share some of that tonight. And then I see you guys got Get Lit sweatshirts and Get Lit shirts. And so you guys buy over th everything over there. I love merch that just represents. So I love it. I got my friends here from Springfield, Mass, right here, my, my Russian friends right here. Come on, somebody. They have my, one of my favorite shirts in the world is Breakthrough. They're Breakthrough Center. And I wear Breakthrough almost once a week. It's one of my favorite shirts in the world breakthrough. You got to say nothing, just look at somebody. <laughs> breakthrough. It's one of my favorite shirts. I love these guys. They're so dear to me. Anyway, um, so that, and then Corey Russell online. Uh, many of you guys are maybe taking some of my uh, courses. Me and my wife are actually going to be uh, releasing a course this month called Inheritance, and it's our story, and pretty much how the Lord carried us um, I just knew she was taking a picture, so I thought I'd smile for it. <laughs> he did? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll look away here, look really intense. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, <laughs> um, we... Corey Russell online, we have about 15 courses that we released, hundreds of videos, and we do three lives a month, three one-hour lives a month. And guys, I want to tell you, the Lord's breathing on this. We got, we're after raising up Nasherites, intercessors, and this newest one is going to be me and my wife sharing our story, the loss of our son, but how the Lord has kept us through the last eight years and the lessons we've learned. And I believe it can equip you, whatever your storyline's been, I believe that there's uh, some things we've learned along the way, and we are in a season of revival in our family, and God's moving, and all my kids love Jesus, and my wife likes me, and we love each other. <laughs> hey, that's, 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 that's a miracle, man. My goodness. And so, 
I'd encourage you guys to go on to CoreyRussellOnline.com, and that's where I'm investing the majority of my strength in this season of discipling people. And so that'll bless you. All right, good. Lord, we love you. Release your glory. Amen. I've got about 10 messages. I'm going to roll into one tonight. All right? I got a whole bunch of verses, so just get your seatbelt on. I want to start Hosea 10, verse 12. Hosea 10, verse 12. Hosea is one of the minor prophets, I think, right before Joel. Is that right? Well. So uh, Hosea 10, 12. Or tw- uh, 10, 12. I want to look at a verse. The Lord gave me a dream years ago, and I was standing in front of a... Um, a large gathering, and I was preaching Hosea 10, verse 12. And this is a famous revival passage. And it's about how do you prepare for revival. And I was just so blessed hanging out with the crew today, with uh, uh, the crew, and we went over there to Exeter and just dialing it up, you know, looking at the last place that George Whitfield preached before he died in Newburyport, right? Newburyport. And so he preached his last message, 1770, and God anointed a man, and there were many others in that season, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, and there were many others, but these were the pronounced awakeners, and, and the spirit of awakening literally shook the nation. It shook the 13 colonies. It shook the region, and I have a deep conviction in my heart that God is going to visit our nation with a great awakening. And then he's going to release apostolic preaching with power, great conviction, great glory, and whole regions are going to come underneath the manifest presence of God, where where God shuts down idle industries, where God bankrupts evil industries, and the spirit of conviction rests upon regions. I believe that deep in my heart, and that God's going to anoint men, God's going to anoint women. He's going to release messengers that will shake whole regions with the fire of God. So I, I just get all stirred up because we get to see real monuments. You did it, God. You did it once. The Nasherite reality is second great awakening. Connected with a man by the name Daniel Nash who was with Charles Finney. God did it. 500,000 new converts in a matter of eight weeks in upstate New York. 500,000 new converts, not church transfer. Last night, we commemorated the birthday of Azusa Street outpouring in Los Angeles, California. There have been times God steps down. Hosea 10, 12 tells us how you and I can prepare for a move of God. How we can prepare for a move of God. Look at this. In a mostly pretty intense book filled with a lot of cycles of judgment, and he goes, you guys are reaping what you've sowed. He goes, you can break the sowing-reaping cycle by entering into a new sowing-reaping cycle. Verse 12, sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. I love that. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. 
Everybody say, break up your fallow ground. Hosea is going to liken our hearts as the hard ground outside that used to be useful and that in a previous season was moldable and tender to receive the seed of God, but it got weathered, it got hard, it got weedy and stony. And Hosea said, your hearts are weedy, stony, hard, and the Word of God can't penetrate that hard ground. You can cooperate with the grace of God by releasing the tiller of your heart to prepare for the next move of God. And the Lord's, I've been asking the Lord about breaking up the fallow ground. It really, in one word, looks like repentance. It looks like a life of repentance, turning away from the things, the substances, the people, the dullness that has characterized our culture. And we begin to um, energetically seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord till he comes and reigns righteousness. It is time, which means don't put it off for a more opportune season. Don't wait for all the stars to align for you to get serious about God. But to be intentional. Everybody say intentional. I believe that's a word that needs to get back into our spiritual vocabulary. Intentionality with God. We all want the blast from heaven. And we wake up new. And God says, I don't dance with mannequins. We all want to be the mannequin that God dances with. First off, that's weird. Can you imagine somebody dancing at JCPenney with the mannequin? We all just want God to do the work. Just leave, God. And he goes, no, I want you to make steps and I'll dance with you. I want you to make choices in your secret life. I believe there's three gifts God's giving us in the aiding and of the breaking up of our fallow ground, which is the hardness of our hearts. I believe, and this is what I talk about in the gift of tears, I believe the greatest issue of 2020, let's just, 2020, <laughs> 2020 showed us anything, it's this. We have become a hard, indifferent, and stoic culture, even in the church, and we need a great tenderizing to come back to us. We need tenderness back in our hearts. We hitched our wagon, our wagon to this political figure or that political figure. We got to our side, we voiced our opinions, and we wouldn't budge because we were right. And I believe that God wants to release a tender, thank you for that. That's actually the gift I needed. I don't, does anybody else sleep with fans? I want to encourage you. There's a powerful app called White Noise. Anybody else got White Noise? Oh, come on, somebody. I want to meet with y'all after tonight's meeting and release my mantle on you and just bless you. <laughs> You're my people. Every one of our rooms in the house. <laughs> So whenever I hear that, <laughs> everything gets foggy. 
Thank you for turning that off. I believe God's releasing three gifts to us in this hour. Tears that are going to tenderize. Tongues that are going to till the ground. I want to give all of you an assignment. Who here has your prayer language? Okay. If you have your prayer language, I want you to pray in tongues in one setting for 20 minutes every day. Do it. Do it. Before you have an opinion, do it for six months. Do it for six months, 20 minutes in one setting. That one setting can be your car ride to work. It can be your quiet time in your living room. It can be on your walk that you go on. It can be, at the, but it needs to be fixed and set. And you need to hit the stopwatch for a season because you're going to be working a muscle that isn't that cultivated. We all may theologically do it when we feel God and fall down at the altar, but I want you to build a muscle that's really lacking in the church. Praying in tongues tills the ground of your heart. What it does is it, it, what it, it removes the dross of your soul life, and it puts your soul in the back seat, and it puts the Spirit of God in the front. Do it for six months. I'll be back here in October and I want to have a meeting with y'all to see how it's gone. Will that be about six months from now? Okay, that'll work. October's when I'm coming. Let's fellowship. I want to see a glimmer in your eye saying, I did it. My life has shifted. 20 minutes. Your mind will wonder every five seconds. It's okay. Bring it back. God on the throne and God in my spirit. And work that muscle and watch what happens in your spiritual life. It's going to till up the ground of your heart. Because I want us to get understanding, travail is coming to the church. Travail. We heard a little bit of it this morning. It's ugly. It's not the stuff that everybody loves to be in. But it's coming to the church. He's going to get the church back into the place of birthing his purposes Apostolic, Galatians 4, he says, my little children in whom I travail in birth until Christ is formed in you. Travail is coming to the church. It's the same way. We got the women, how many babies you had, huh? I sat by four births. It's not pretty praying. It's not pretty. And I believe that kind of praying is coming to the church. Tears, tongues, and travail break up your ground. It's time to seek the Lord. I hit it this morning. I'll say it again. I don't because I'm just getting to know you guys. The gift of tears has laid hold of my life. It's been pretty much something that's been going on in my life since 2002 when I got introduced to the book of Jeremiah. And I got apprehended with the gift of tears as a man gave me a prophetic word that God's going to make you a watchman like Jeremiah. The only verse I knew was the plans I have for you verse. You know, the graduation card verse. <laughs> Who had that for your graduation card? Come on, somebody. Right after 70 years of Babylonian captivity. <laughs> Nobody shares that part. <laughs> well, I never read it, so I wake up the next morning, 
It's like November 2000. No, no, it was like early 2002. I wake up. I'm, I'm going to read Jeremiah. And I open it up, and I never had it happen before or since. As soon as I open it, I begin to weep uncontrollably. And I read the book about three times a day for the next three days, weeping uncontrollably. And God began to connect me. Corey, he's not the weeping prophet. He's the man that got caught up in the heart of the weeping God. And God began to show to me he weeps. He's vulnerable. He's emotional. He's not a stoic judge, but an emotional judge who's deeply connected to his people. That wrecked my life. Fast forward 2011. We had just come out of a season of awakening in Kansas City, a 10-month season of 7,000 testimonies, healing, deliverance, salvation. It was glorious. We were coming out of it, and me and my friend Alan Hood were going to uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. We were going to minister there, and we got in that night, and we were feeling the seasons change. We were feeling warfare. And so we stayed up late that night praying for one another, confessing things, praying, breaking off things. He was feeling warfare in his body. We just prayed over each other and cried and wept together. He said, God, speak to me. I need to hear from you. He goes to bed that night. And he has a dream. He has a dream. Of, 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 in reality, he had written a, uh, an article in Ministry Today called Standing at the Critical Juncture out of the book of Joel. And how we were living in an urgent hour. And will the church discern the hour, discern the day of the Lord, and enter into intercession, or will this season pass us by? Writing this in 2011. He, he saw a computer screen of the article, and then he saw the comment boxes underneath, and there were witches and warlocks that were cursing leaders, their marriages, their families, their finances, their bodies. Alan clicks on one of the boxes, and he goes in, and he encounters a warlock, has a python around him. Pornography is all in the back. And the guy is just cursing Alan, and Alan hears a voice behind him, and he says, it's witchcraft, Alan. It's witchcraft. Well, the next scene, he sees thousands and thousands of young people. And he sees me and a man by the name of Bob Jones. Anybody ever heard of Bob Jones? Bob Jones, if you don't know, was raised off his deathbed in 1975. He was preaching about homosexuals celebrating in the streets in 74, and an over-the-counter abortion pill. And he began to preach, saying, this is coming, this is coming. The devil said, you keep preaching this, I'm going to kill you. He goes, well, I ain't your property anymore. He kept preaching it, well, he died. He goes before the Lord, he has a radical encounter with Jesus, God sends him back, saying, I'm sending you back to prepare some of my leaders for the end of the age. And one of the premier places he went was Kansas City as he connected up with Mike Bickle, which would become the foundation, the prophetic history of IHOP Kansas City that would manifest in 1999. And here we are 21 years later of day and night prayer in Kansas City, which I spent 18 years in. For 20 years, I heard stories about Bob Jones. Every prophetic story, I sat around the table with Mike, undone, never met him, but heard all the stories. Well, in this dream of Alan, Alan sees me and Bob Jones in front of these thousands of youth. We embrace one another. 
And we declared a phrase out of Psalm 126. The Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us. Well, we're weeping. Alan wakes up excited. God spoke. It was witchcraft, but God spoke. <laughs> Half the battle, I'd say 75% of the battle is knowing what's going on. He comes, knocks on my door. Corey, get up. Meet me down for breakfast. So I run downstairs. We start, he starts sharing with me the dream, saying the Lord's spoken to me. And as he's telling me the dream, and he gets to me and Bob Jones embracing one another. And just then a lady comes and taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, are you Alan Hood? He goes, yes, ma'am. She goes, hi, my name is Bonnie Jones, and me and my husband Bob would like to have breakfast with you two. <laughs> had no clue, no idea. I went and had a quick quiet time. He did make sure I was right before we sat down. <laughs> we sat down and about the about, we were with him for about two hours. He, he was from about 30 minutes where I am in Arkansas. That was cool. Well, we, we, for about the first hour and a half, we didn't understand most of what he said. <laughs> he's a seer prophet, so he'll talk to you like everybody's seeing what he's seeing. Well, ain't nobody seeing what he's seeing. <laughs> but when you're with these people, you just nod really deep like you're getting it all. That's really good. I never thought about that. Actually, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and for the first hour and a half, it was, what's going on? We're in the twilight zone. And then he gets towards it and he goes, he then began to talk about how both revival and judgment was coming. He says, I thought we could just get revival, but both's got to come. And then he looked at us and he goes, and you boys have been preaching Joel. And I see witchcrafts come against you. And he looked at me. He goes, I see python marks in your neck. And he began to talk about how revival and judgment are coming and Joel and how the devil hates the message of Joel. Corporate gatherings of prayer and fasting, crying out to the Lord, repentance. The devil will do anything to stop that. Well, Alan had heard stories about preachers under warfare, leaders under warfare, and how Bob would pray for them and it'd break right off them. Alan interrupted him and said, Bob, would you pray for us? He goes, I ain't going to do that religious thing. What do you think I've been doing for the last two hours? We said, talking. He goes, you boys have been weeping, haven't you? We looked at each other, yeah. He goes, you see, witchcraft gets in your eyes, and it makes you look on past seasons as if you've never done anything for God. And then it makes you look on future seasons as if you'll never do anything for God. He says, but weeping gets the witchcraft out of your eyes. He goes, you boys are going to be fine. Your ministries are good. Just keep weeping. Just keep weeping. Those words would reverberate over and over and over again as I would enter in to a season of intense weeping and all I could hear is, you boys are going to be fine. Your ministries are good. Just keep weeping. You know what Psalm 126 is? It's the weeping psalm. 
When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. And our mouths were filled with laughter. And we say, the Lord has done great things for us. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping shall doubtless come again rejoicing, carrying his sheaves with him. Harvest is connected to weeping. Harvest is connected to weeping. I've been preaching it strong since 2015 that I believe that we're in a Psalm 2 crisis that demands a Joel 2 response, which is going to result with an Acts 2 outpouring. Psalm 2, Joel 2, Acts 2. I believe these three chapters are going to become paramount in the coming days. Psalm 2 is when there's global rage, global insanity. And when a nation wants to throw off the bonds and the cords of God's word and declare open war on the Father and the Son. David saying, why? It ain't going to work. And then we see the Father sitting in the heavens laughing. As the Father declares over the nations, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Psalm 2, and that's really what inheritance is all about. It's what happens when the devil releases the greatest warfare over the deepest thing that God has promised you. Wherever you find the devil's greatest rage in your life, it's a signpost that it's most likely the deepest inheritance that God has promised you. And the Lord taught me through the last eight years that wherever you see the rage, chaos, and confusion, don't battle it from the horizontal level. Learn how to ascend and connect with the Father's perspective. And get his holy laugh inside your spirit. It's called divine confidence. It's called eternal confidence. Divine perspective. Most believers don't know how to ascend. We live under clouds. We live under the darkness. And we don't know how to get up above the storm and to get God's vantage point and to get his laugh. Getting the holy confidence. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Ain't no devil in hell. Ain't no assignment. Ain't no warfare going to stop what the Father has promised me in Christ Jesus. We need that to get in us. As we hear the Father openly declare, I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. There is a man seated at the right hand of the Father. There is a man seated above every principality, every ruler, every dominion, every name that is named, that at the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses. <laughs> he is seated and he's going to be seated. What is Jesus doing in Psalm 2? 
He's making intercession. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, that's the phrase you need to get a hold of you. You know what intercession is? It's not you talking with your list. It's you speaking back to the Father what Father has spoken over you. So here's my question. What's he said to you? What's he said? What's he said? What dream? What prophetic word? What rhema? What deep knowing? What's he said? Because that's your grounds of intercession. That's the hill that you fight for. What's he said? I don't care how outlandish it is, how far from imagination it is. What's he whispered? I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. The revelation of beloved identity is going to pull the church into the house is what we talked about last night. And then I love the father for this. He goes, son, you see those nations raging? Ask me for them, and I'll make them your inheritance. Your greatest places of warfare are to become your greatest places of inheritance. Are y'all with me? I can't feel you. We're going to get our voice back. We're going to get our voice back in the church. We're going to begin to lay hold of old promises. We're going to begin to weep old promises back to God. We're going to groan old promises back to God. He's going to do it. Because he doesn't make empty promises. I spent the majority of 2015 asking God, what's my inheritance? Jesus' inheritance are the nations. I want my inheritance to be nations. But God, what is my inheritance? What's my inheritance? I know my marriage is my inheritance. I know I'm his inheritance. My marriage is my inheritance. My children are my inheritance. I know my grandchildren are my inheritance. I knew I was in a divine moment that generations were in the balance based on the decisions I was making. I ain't praying for just the kids I see, but great-great-grandkids that walk in realities because of choices that I make in 2020. And it was in that season where I was asking God, God, what's my inheritance? That a friend of mine sent me a dream that has become my lifeline. It's become the mandate on my life. The church was under siege. The cultural wars were increasing, and everyone ran to the city square as we realized we don't know how to pray in these days. Well, in the dream, everybody was confused, and I walk in with my friend Alan Hood. And I walk in smiling. 
And I go, these are the days we've been waiting on. And then in the dream, my friend began to prophesy over me. He said, Corey, for every one voice of awakening, I'm going to raise up seven voices of intercession. He said it again. For every one voice of awakening, I'm going to raise up seven voices of intercession. He says, I've given Lou Engel the Nazarites, but I'm about to raise up Nasherites. The Nasherites are a hidden army of intercessors. They won't be known in the eyes of men, but they'll be famous in heaven. And I'm going to fill the earth with an intercessory army that will see the global outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the salvation of Israel, and the return of the Lord. We named Nash. My son's name was Nash. He went home to be with the Lord in 2013. We named him after Daniel Nash, who was a hidden intercessor with Charles Finney. And when I got this word in 2015, I go, my inheritance, give me 100 million. I want 100 million. 100 million. I don't know where the number came from, but I saw it and I laid hold of it. And for the last six years, I've mostly been preaching it everywhere. I just tell people it, but I really don't know what it means. I feel it. It makes me feel close to my son. It makes me feel close to his legacy. I've always understood we're in ministry together. And that in some way in all of this, he's a hidden intercessor for our calling. And that our callings are inextricably connected. You know, my son still has a calling. <laughs> and we're in ministry together. The father just saw fit that it would be from up there. Well, I've been asking the Lord for five, six years, mostly preaching it, but wondering what in the world is this. And then in this last season, I've really began. I just came off a 21-day fast. It was March 16th when he went home to be with the Lord. So this was his eighth anniversary here last March 16th. I looked at my wife. We're in a season of revival. I said, let's do a 21-day fast for what this Nazarite army is about. It's eight. It's new beginnings. Let's roll. Let's go for this. We survived the first seven years. We got through it. Now let's take some devil's heads off and let's begin to mobilize. Let's mobilize an army of Nazarites. And over the last, and I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 62. I believe there's many dimensions of this Nasherite army. But the Lord's brought a lot of clarity to me over the last 21 days. Hallelujah. A lot of clarity over the last 21 days. And I'm just going to boil it down to Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Give God no rest. <laughs> the one who doesn't rest wants no rest. Give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. <laughs> 
Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. I want to look at this again. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. One more verse. Look at Romans eleven twenty five. Hallelujah. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. Oh, my computer just died here. Warfare. (laughs) Good thing I know it. (laughs) But I like looking at words. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you become wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until, everybody say until, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. For the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Do you know what this is unto? hundred million intercessors across the earth for the fullness of the Gentiles. We're not just talking about another good revival season. I'm grateful for the Brownsvilles and the Torontos. I'm grateful for first, for first and second great awakenings. I'm grateful for Azusa Street. But the days we're moving into are the days that are spoken of when Peter stepped out of that upper room And he says, this is that which was spoken of by Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Men and women, young and old, blood, fire, vapor of smoke, sun into darkness, moon into blood. I will do this before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're not just talking about another awakening. We are talking about the end time, global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the church across the earth receiving the deluge of the Spirit of God and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the spirit of prophecy resting on the church. And the billion harvest, the billion soul harvest. John 17, unity. Ephesians 4, maturity. A church that gets delivered from ourselves. Because ignorance leads to arrogance. God is awakening the church in this hour, delivering us from replacement theologies that we have become the new Israel. And he's turning our hearts as the wild olive branches that have been grafted in 
to this glorious tree called covenants made with Abraham, made with David, secured through Jesus. And then we're not participants of this reality, but we turn our hearts. So all Israel will be saved. <laughs> a whole nation will be born again in a day. When they look on him whom they've pierced and they weep for him as one weeps for a firstborn. That's what this is unto. This is about a provocation in the nations. A church that manifests Christ. Yeah, let that just settle in on you. It's coming, and that's what he's awakening across the earth. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. I've given you a gift. Their blindness is going to be broken. They're going to receive Yeshua as their Messiah. He's going to turn our hearts. He's going to shift our hearts from selfishness, from narcissism, from ignorance. And a spirit of intercession is going to lay hold of us. We will not rest day or night. And the Lord's made it clear to me over these last 21 days. The Nasherite army are the set watchmen of Isaiah 62. The Nasherite army is a set watchman, our set watchman on the walls. He is setting intercessors on the wall. I'm grateful for the women that have carried the torch for the last 2,000 years. But I believe he's breaking off even ignorance concerning the ministry of intercession. I believe all of us have been born into an intercessor's family. Because our older brother Jesus forever lives to make intercession. And we are partakers of the heavenly calling. Thank you, God. We love you. Psalm 2, Joel 2. Corporate gatherings are coming. Corporate gatherings of prayer and fasting. Thank you, God, for New England. I thank you, God, for Maine. I thank you, Jesus, for New Hampshire. I thank you for Connecticut. I thank you for Massachusetts. Thank you for Rhode Island. Thank you for Vermont. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Delaware, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for... God, I cry out that you would raise up an army of intercessors. You would set watchmen on the wall who would not rest. Thank you, Jesus. This is beautiful. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. 
You know what I love? What's going to be the source of these intercessors? Because most of us go, man, this is so heavy. It is, but it's an easy yoke. It really is. I'm one of the happiest guys you'll ever meet. Joy is going to be our our source. Because he's the joyful intercessor. Look with me, and I, I want you to look with me with the verse. Right before, look at verse 4 and 5. Isaiah 62, verse 4. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate. But you're going to get a new name. Your new name is Hephzibah. And your land, Beulah, here is the revelation that's going to set end-time intercessors. The Lord delights in you. He enjoys you. He takes pleasure in you. We are going to come into the revelation of our belovedness and of our pleasure that we bring him. And it's going to free us from old paradigms and religiosity and religion, religious yokes that were never meant to be carried by us. Hephzibah is your new name. Hephzibah is your new name. The Lord delights in you. Your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. That word rejoicing is the wild spinning. It's the wild, unashamed, unabashed, dancing pleasure that the bridegroom finds in his new bride. And we are going to come into such a place of being loved and cherished and and enjoyed and delighted in by our bridegroom God. It's going to set us on the wall. It's going to remove shame-based praying, performance-based praying. And the burdens we carry are laboring with our bridegroom intercessor. Because he starts Isaiah 62 by saying, I won't be silent until Jerusalem is appraised in the earth. And I'm going to set watchmen on the wall who won't be silent until Jerusalem is appraised in the earth. I want to declare to you, Jerusalem will be appraised in the whole earth. That city will shine with the glory of God. Why? Because Yeshua will be reigning from Mount Zion. He's going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives. As the new Jerusalem descends over the earthly Jerusalem and its throne is placed there, all the nations are going to flow to Jerusalem. (laughs) How do you know this is going to happen? Because he made covenants. 
God made covenant. He's a God of covenant. He's a God of covenant with Abraham. Abraham, leave your father's house. I've got to give you a land. I'm going to make you a great nation. And in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And I'm going to bring forth more descendants from you than you could ever imagine. Abraham goes, God, I'm 100. She's 90. She ain't had no children. And things ain't working. <laughs> Lord takes him out in Genesis 15. Says, okay, come with me. Look up in the sky. He goes, you're going to have more descendants than the stars of the sky. And then the greatest verse in the Bible, it says Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then God's going to enter into a covenant with Abraham. In the ancient world, what you would do when you're going to enter into covenant, they would cut animals in half. So he, got a, he cut a heifer in half, a goat in half, ram in half, pigeons and a turtle dove. And the two parties would walk to the middle <coughs> and bind hands together to say, if I don't fulfill the terms of the covenant, may I be cut in two like these animals. Well, Genesis 15 is a wild one because Abraham fell asleep. He's out. He's out. It's important he fell asleep because we're about to look at an unconditional covenant. He fell asleep. Then guess who showed up? A burning oven and a smoking torch. The father and the son showed up as God made covenant with God that the promises made to Abraham will come to pass. They will be a righteous nation. They will be given a land, and all the nations will be blessed through them. And later on, we would see that the burning oven would be cut in two. to do it. God's word's at stake. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And if you can believe this promise, you can believe promises he has over you. If, you, if he's going to do this in the eyes of all the nations, you can believe the promises he has over your life. I don't care how impossible. I mean, he's dealing with a 90-year-old dead womb to bring forth descendants more than the stars of the sky. We always talk about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. How about Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel? Barren wombs. How about Hannah? How about Samson's mother? How about Elizabeth? Barren wombs that shift history. Barren promises shift history. 
A barren nation will go from deadness to life. He literally says that in Romans 11. Life from the dead for the whole world. We're moving into that hour. The global outpouring of the Spirit. The return of Yeshua. The salvation of Israel. As we shift into the next age. <laughs> I'm glad to be alive. Aren't you? You could have been born in the 900s. And this conference would look a lot different. We'd be wondering what relics to, to bring to, to church. <laughs> oh, that'd be a rough one. Jesus. Spirit of intercession wants to lay hold of you. His heart churns for Jerusalem. You know, the more and more you get connected to Jesus, you're like, I want to know you. He goes, do you? Let me bring you to my heart. Paul says in Romans 9, I have great sorrow and continual grief. Oh, we're moving into apostolic intercession, into the groan of God for the salvation of his people. Hallelujah. David got, I call these hinges. Abraham, then David, many years later, 2 Samuel 7, David's 37, he's gotten all of his promises fulfilled in God. And he goes, you know what? It's not okay that I got all my promises fulfilled and I'm living in this amazing house. God's out there in a tent. Well, the prophet Nathan goes, well, king, go do whatever's in your heart. And that night, Nathan goes to sleep, and he says, I want you to go tell my servant David. Would you build me a house to dwell in? He goes, I've never asked anybody to build me a house. I want you to go tell David that I've been with him since he was a little boy on the backsides of Bethlehem. I've given him a great name, and I've fulfilled every promise I had over him. I want you to tell him that I'm going to plant Israel in their land and that the sons of wickedness will oppress them no more. Oh, and can you tell David this? He wants to build me a house. I want you to tell him I'm going to build him a house. And there will never lack a man to sit on his throne. And that his throne will live forever. That the Messiah is going to come through his lineage and is going to sit on his throne forever. And forever Jesus will be called the son of David. Come on. Come on. We don't really understand that because we don't live in a kingdom like that. The closest thing I can realize is that a choice I make to give something to God and he goes, 
Messiah's coming and his last name's going to be Russell. I would do what David did. Who am I? I know my story. And you're going to bring the spotless son of God through my earthly lineage? And when Jesus hung on that cross, he secured those promises. He secured those promises. I believe we're moving into a new hour in the earth. I believe, I said it this morning, I believe 2020 was the global hard reset. And I believe that what's going to begin to take place in this next decade and beyond is going to be the apostolic church that's going to come into that John 17 unity. That they would be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they would be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. The glory you've given me, I have given them. I in them, you and me. That they may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And that you've loved them like you've loved me. Father, I desire. Those whom you've given me may be with me where I am. Beholding my glory. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. We are moving into the release of fivefold ministry until we come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Hallelujah. Let's do it. It's an hour of fullness. Everybody say fullness. Spirit of prophecy, I pray, just rest upon your people. Spirit of prophecy, rest upon your people. Dreams shift from this night forward. you, Jesus. This is beautiful. I have such great hope and, and faith in my heart for New England because I'm looking at you. And I know there's tribes and clans all over New England. There's intercessors. There's 7,000 who have not bowed the knee. There are remnants all over New England who have not bowed the knee. They are burning for a move of God. They are hungry. There's a groan being awakened in them. Oh! There's Davids that have been being prepared in hiddenness. Hallelujah. And I say, let it come forth, Jesus. Let these wells of revival, let it truly open, Jesus.
First great awakening. Second great awakening. The intercession and the cries of the saints, Lord. They will not be silent. They will not be silent. They will not be silent. I don't care. They will not be silent. So much bigger than a mask or no mask. They will not be silent. They will not be silent. They will not be silent. They will give God no rest. Giving God no rest. Give God no rest. Spirit of intercession, come upon your people. Spirit of intercession, come upon your people. Hey. Awaken the groan within us, Jesus. Awaken the groan. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. It's Romans 10, verse 1. Just comfortable here tonight. This is beautiful. Break the silence in New England, Jesus. Break the silence in New England, Jesus. Awaken the travail in your people. Awaken travail, Jesus. Awaken the groan. Awaken the tears. Awaken the wailing women. Call forth the wailing women. Call forth wailing men. Call forth intercessors who will not be silent. Hey! 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 Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we ask you to release the tears, release the tongues, and release the travail. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. I'm going to ask him to brand you as intercessors. That's it. I want you to lift your voice. He's going to break silence. He's going to break the muzzle. He's going to break the muzzle off your mouth. 